This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Hello and welcome to the Stillness Everyday Podcast. My name is Herodotos and this podcast exists to help you find stillness in all aspects of your life, in finance, in health, in mindset and in your relationships. I created this business because I believe that if you can develop the ability to find stillness in your mind, you will learn to create harmony in all aspects of your life. Find us at Stillness Every Day on social media or stillnesseveryday.com. A lot of people ask me how they can get started with meditating. Now, my first experience with meditation was at a Vipassana retreat, which is 10 days in silence. But I understand this isn't practical for most people. That's why we created the Stillness Everyday Journal. This journal has a range of prompts, which allow you to not only create your day, but reflect on your day at the end of it. The journal also has a range of audible meditations, which are perfect for beginners. Check out stillnesseveryday.com. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I've got Jordan Potts. Uh, also known as the Conscious Carnival, Jordan and I. We don't know each other too well, but we've got affiliations and I think we, we think very similar. Um, Jordan's very vocal on social media about various topics, but mostly meat and his consumption with that. But where I actually met him was at his old gym, Exalto. He ran a breathwork evening, which I can remember just, just about having a seizure. <laughs> I was going so deep with that, but that was awesome. Jordan has a love for ice bars and eating healthy and we're going to touch on family as well, hopefully, and how you're raising your little boy, whether he's eating as much meat as you are. And I think this podcast will be good because as um, everything we speak about is finding stillness in all areas of your life. And I think Jordan actually does live that. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, brother. It uh, feels good to see. It's been first podcast in probably... Wow, long time actually. Really? Yeah, long time. I can't even remember. It would have been last year sometime, but I haven't done a podcast in about a year. So, yeah, yeah it's exciting. It feels good to be back behind the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Take a few minutes to get used to it. Yeah. Um, so, I don't actually know your story, to be honest. Like, I know from Exalto onwards, basically, but what got you into the health journey? Because I'm sure a lot of people don't know. Okay. Listening. Cool. Um, so, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it as suffice as possible. Um, Really simply, I was like a go-hard little kid. And it's interesting watching my son now because I see so much of myself in him. Like I was like the happiest, go-luckiest, you know, just fit, climbing everything, full of energy, full throttle kid, right? And then uh, we just, we moved to Noosa from Brisbane and just went to a whole new level with water sports, surfing, all it just so active. And then uh, my parents randomly split up like – I remember being a young kid and just being like, "What the, f- what's happening to my world right How now?" How old were you? Nine. Nine. And mum yeah. um, and dad, basically, dad said, "I'm, I'm going to be leaving the house. Um, your mother and I are separating." And I would just remember Biff feeling like I got stabbed in the heart. Like it was literally like, it was like my whole world. I thought my parents were perfect. We had this yeah. like loving relationship and this family. We had so much fun, and then I was just like, "Holy shit, what?" And yeah. so, being a young kid. I had no idea how to manage those emotions, right? So I, I distinctly remember going from like a happy frother to like this sarcastic kind of narcissistic narcissistic little little boy. Like I was kind of yeah, like yeah. always chipping at people and I had this like chip on my shoulder of like fuck the world. Yeah. And I quickly realized, well, I didn't realize back then, but now thinking about it, the emotional shift in my whole life caused so, such a myriad of issues that led me 
basically all the way until I was 23 and had a drug overdose, fell out of a tree and ended up in a coma. Yeah. And that was things like, you know, bullying, uh, overeat, like binge eating, multiple injuries, like ACL reconstruction, broken collarbones, broken bones, left, right, center, playing footy. I was just so angry as a kid. And I was also very sarcastic. So I was the class clown. I was, you know, bullying other kids because I was getting bullied as well. And mm. so it was just like this vicious cycle of emotion that I didn't know how to process or deal with. Mm. And unfortunately, I didn't have the support. Uh, first of all, my parents were going through a heap. Mm. And then I kind of, you know, young Aussie kid growing up, you don't have the support of your mates around you because it's just take the piss out of everyone and, and kind of survive. And I also didn't really have any mentors or role models because I was the, the oldest of the family. Mm. And so I didn't know how to handle it. And I drove myself, basically, I was seeking love, attention, acceptance in every single thing I did between the ages of nine and 23. Right. And that led me into early drugs, early partying, drinking, mm. destroying my body. And when I found drugs and alcohol, I was 17. I found this escape and I was like, this is a really cool thing for me to do because I can escape how I feel Mm. day to day, all of this shit that's going on. And I can literally, it's just like I'm living in a dream. Mm. So I'd get high on, started on pingers. Then I was getting, actually got high a few times on weed and it rocked me. I was the most anxious, like brought out so much of my Mm. my emotional um, issues. So I didn't really smoke weed, but I loved pingers. I loved um, coke. And then, you know, like just smoking basically anything that was going. Mm. I will say I didn't smoke ice. I, I'm proud that I rejected <laughs> ice. The one, do, the one time I was offered it, I did actually draw the line there. I was like, nah, boys, I'm, I'm that's not. It. That's not me. Yeah. Um, so I'm, that's one thing I'm proud of. But uh, <laughs> I've tried a few things. And that led me to this area in my life where I was chasing the highs on the weekend yeah. because it was escaping me out of the lows in the week. And I got to a really bad point where I would be driving on my own late at night you know, as a P player, contemplating how to run into the tree or mm. run my run the car off the edge of of a hill or whatever, I was having those thoughts of like, okay, if I if I committed to this, I don't have to live in this anymore, mm. and that was really scary. And I put up with that for I, it was a good good solid two years. I remember I had crazy skin issues. I was overweight. I was taking him to drugs, partying. I was hanging with a crew that uh, supported that lifestyle. And anyway, I, I eventually. Taking drugs for me was like an attempt at death. Mm. It was like, I don't actually care mm. if I die doing this. Mm. So I'm going to get so sideways every time I do it. So you pushed it like oh. having three, four, five, just kept having more pills. Three, four, five. <laughs> 20. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, it was really, it's, it's really sad to think yeah. about where I was and what I was hiding as a human. I, 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 I think people knew because I was a bit reckless. Mm. But I also masked it with like this facade of like, yeah, I'm frother. Like, yeah, let's yeah. get fucked up. You know, like, it's like this yeah. whole party attitude. Um, I, I, literally, loud and, I literally thought yeah. I was a professional party. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm born to, to be party. a party. Like, like <laughs> I'm, this is my, I, if I could get paid to do this, this would be my career. I'd be the best in the world. So that was like kind of mentality. Anyway, yeah, I, I overdosed one day at Splendor. I was, you know, in a tree and fell out. 10 meters, bang, ended up having... Epileptic fit, convulsing, airlifted to hospital, uh, and then woke up out of an induced coma three days later. And that that moment for me was quite a pinnacle shift because I realised, like waking up with tubes down my throat, 
and looking at my dad in the across the room just thinking like well what happened I, I, I nearly actually died and so from that moment I decided I'm going to return to that little nine-year-old frother that's just full of energy, fit and healthy, can do anything he wants, you know, just fully capable to live life. And uh, that was that's going on seven years ago. So basically I've lived that out for the last seven years and I've learned as much as I can to do with health, wellness, the mind, the body, to put me in a position where I'm in control. You know, and I don't need vices and I don't need to escape in things that are detrimental for me. Mm. So, awesome. Yeah. That whole journey through drugs from 9 to 23, obviously you weren't doing drugs at 9, but from 9 to 23 when you were miserable, how much do you reckon not having a father in your life actually played on that? Like have you thought about the importance of your father then? Yeah, I so... I need to make something super clear because my dad often listens to these as well. He's a he's a legend. He's a fucking legend. And where he's at now in his journey is like I'm so proud of him. It makes me like my heart proper smiles with the the work he's doing on himself and the work, how much he's kind of like turned his mind around and his mm. the way he's kind of repairing or has repaired and the way he's going about his relationship with us kids and and yep. to be there as a grandfather as well, like to Indy. Um, so dad dad necessarily wasn't not there he was still present we were going from houses like each week we were doing like week on week off um he so he was there however he his world was crumbling like business um you know he used to be a christian so his whole religion was kind of crumbling under his feet when he had some uh, revelations with stuff around that and then he kind of was like this is my whole world's shattered and i've still got to support these kids so he was working he was still putting food on the table he was still he was still present mm. The thing I've reflected on, though, is that he wasn't taught to manage his emotions. Basically, most men aren't taught how to manage their emotions and most men aren't taught how to navigate life when it gets challenging, right? We, we usually go to aggressive sports or we go to um, drinking culture or we go to, you know, gaming or, you know, some sort of vice. So that's what I think is missing. And I think if, if, if I can do one thing for Indy, my, my son as a role model is teach him to slow down, take a breath, to process what's going on in his mind and his heart and his feelings and, and start to use it as power to, to create change. Yep. So instead of running away from things or instead of masking them and putting them, you know, chucking them under the rug, actually having the courage to face it and going like, hey, I feel really stressed or I feel... Um, you know, I feel really depressed or I feel anxious or I'm feeling nervous or whatever, face your emotions and have the skills to process them and use them as power. So that's that's what I think was the lacking area and I didn't have any role models around me, whether it was a, whether it was my dad, uh, whether it was coaches, whether it was mates, um, role model, even teachers and stuff. I see it so often. I've, I've done work in schools and I see these kids, these young boys, desperate for attention. Desperate for affection, um, acceptance, and affection. So they're they're being the class class clown or a dickhead at school. They're bullying other kids, or you know, trying to sweeten up the girls. And it's but it's all an act. Mm. They're not actually. They're so insecure, and I can see it in them when I go into these places because I'm like, it's exactly what I used to do, and I felt like shit. Yeah. And I can when I watch them and I watch the behavior, I'm like, you can see the difference between someone who's confident mm. and and stable in themselves versus someone who's seeking. 
and in young boys in school environments, it's very interesting to to mm. observe. And we would go in there and we'd do breath work, and I'd talk to him about how important as a man it is that you get your shit together internally so mm. that you don't abuse anyone or make a mistake that's going to you know cause a lot of ruckus in your life or if you don't have control of your external actions because your inside is just turmoil yep. it's really important to to get a grip on that and they would always have resistance be like oh this is gay shit or this is i don't want to i don't want to do breath work oh, well, let's mm. go to the gym order and i'd be like boys if you don't get your, if you don't get a grip on this it's gonna flip your world upside down and you're not going to know how to control it mm. Get stable, control it, learn how to address the stuff that's going on. Mm. And confidence, humble and confidence is one of the most attractive things I reckon a man can be for a woman. It's just, yep, it's who I am. Exactly. I agree. Not seeking anything. And the more you go down this path, the quicker you realize that what your inner world is, is exactly what your external Mm. will manifest as. So, like you said, if you've got a horrible internal, you're miserable, the external is just going to mirror that. Mm. Um, the reason I asked that question is because my parents separated, I think I was 13, 12, 13, and I've since reflected on things that I did that I know that if dad was around, he w- wasn't not around, like we'd go see him and, you know, he was there exactly the same as you. Didn't regulate his emotions that well, like we'd have run-ins, we'd yell at each other, all that kind of thing. But not having dad physically in the house meant which I don't even know if it was conscious, but unconsciously I knew I'd get away with things. You know, like mum couldn't stop it. You know what yeah. I mean? As a teenage 15, like I got kicked out of grandma for selling weed. I got house raided like a few years later for also selling weed, like house parties, all like when mum when was away. And I'm just like, I've reflected on the house parties and I'm like, would I have done this if dad was in the house? Like when they were away, had a house party, knowing mm. that I'd get my absolute fucking ass handed to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whereas with mum, it's just like they tell you off and that's it. Mm. There's no like kind of physical dominance that's like this person will eat me if I fuck him over sort of thing. Yeah, I, 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 think, it, I think it definitely could have played, uh, played a part. In saying that, I did have people over to my dad's unit drinking yeah. <laughs> when he wasn't there. So I think uh, depending on the individual, you just got to learn some hard lessons, yeah, right? Yeah. But definitely having – I think it comes back to also having standards and boundaries in place in the home. Yeah. I heard something really great the other day from Tucky Moore, who's a business coach. He, he said, with, <coughs> with children, have less rules but repeat them more often and just be strong in your boundaries, mm. you know, and – that way they can really understand you instead of, I, I think about it, you know, with Indy, so often, you know, you, you, can't, you don't want to be that parent. No, 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 don't do that. No, no, don't, don't, don't. You know, it's, like, it's so, so easy to do when they're running around the road or, you know, riding a bike, whatever, touching the hot pan or whatever. It's easy to do that. Don't, no, no, and just have like this bombarding of like constant control. Mm. So if it's like, if, if I can, as a parent, have some solid boundaries around some basic rules of life and then, you know, there's a lenience either side of that, but we always reinforce the lesson and we re- always reinforce the intention behind the boundary. Mm. I think that's going to be a really strong way to help him make better decisions. Mm. Now, I'm sitting here as a young, naive father of two years with very little you know, life experience with, in fact, very little, zero <laughs> life experience with teenagers, yeah. you know, like getting into that preteen age where they start. So, I... It's all in theory, right? Yeah. And we got it, we got it all ahead of us. Um, yeah. But it's interesting to see how certain changes reflect in your child's behaviour. 
Mm. Um, it's really, really, it's it's a it's a cool experiment, and I and I very much look forward to it. Mm. So. Well, that experiment you did, where I don't know if you went to Lombok or something, you yeah, went yeah. away and you fed you know vegetable oil and stuff to your boy for a week, yeah, and then he just ran around like crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. We just got this canola oil and just started. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean that was that was a huge experiment. It was it was actually unintentional because we were you know, we were we moved to Bali and we had a, all our meat sources and we were you know, getting organic butter over there and basically we're eating really well. We basically ate in every day um, with our food over there because it's either you're paying through the roof for for tourist prices or, you know, you're eating local food, which, you know, good on them, but it's not the best quality. Yeah. So for us over there, it was like, all right, we eat our own food, we cook it, you know, we have everything. We were getting Aussie-grade Aussie, Aussie grade beef that's imported. We are getting yeah. butter, you know, all the organic produce that Nick has was made sure we... Got it decent, uh, and then we we went to Lombok. We were basically kind of like ended up in the shit house, and we had to kind of travel around. And so we decided to go to Lombok for a bit. We went to Lombok, and we kind of got out of our way. We didn't we didn't have a meat supplier. We didn't have um, there wasn't much organic produce and stuff. So we kind of like, all right. So we just ended up doing the restaurant hopping for the week mm. we were there, and didn't notice in in the f- first few days. Like Nick and I definitely noticed a little bit of like digestive stuff. Um, like farting, gas, a uh, bit of bloating, whatever, after meals. And then it was about three days in and Indy, Indy had never thrown like one of those like kicking, screaming tantrums, like mm. throwing shit. Like he just, he's such a placid kid. And three days in, he just started like, he was so frustrated, he was so frustrated and angry for some reason. And he mm. was like, we'd be in a restaurant and he'd be like throwing the the menu and stomping on it. And, and Nick and I are like, what's going on like mm. you're right buddy like <laughs> what's happening and it, it it kept going for like days and days and days and we're thinking what is going on and then we we kind of linked two and two together we're like well we haven't really had a quality meal in nearly a week now um and we knew we were going back to bali in a few days we're like all right let's just play it out we're not going to come down on him hard let's just see how he goes and he was like proper nuts, like gritting his jaw, like, you know, holding his breath, doing that full tantrum stuff. And we're sitting there going like, this is crazy. Like this, mm. this behavioral change is nuts. So we go back to Bali and we decide just to put him on meat and fruit. And so, you know, we've got good quality fruit and we've got good quality meat, nothing else, butter, you know, no seed oils, no nothing. And literally... <laughs> Two, like the first day, he's still kind of like getting it out of his system. Second day, back to his normal self. Yeah, right. And Nick and I just went, holy shit. Like to see it night and day, mm. the, the change. And when you're a parent, it's emotionally taxing when your child's running amok, like yeah. crying, like going, like going nuts. It, you, have to, you have to stay calm. Otherwise, it just gets you so riled up as well. And then you start butting heads. So... Yeah, have the out change, come back so quickly and him just be like, yeah, cool. Back to frothing, cuddles, kisses, yeah. you know, and it was like, wow. And while it's not a direct correlation, it for, to me it's like watching it going, okay, I wonder if more kids or more yeah. families, more more parents just decided, okay, we're not going to feed the kids junk mm. and let's have a look at the influence on their behavior over, say, a month period yeah. because how many – how many kids are processing toxins, you know, all this rubbish, mm. seed oils, you know, 
glyphosate, all the stuff that's in our food system that they're just so readily just consuming, refined sugars, everything that's just driving their nervous systems into like fight or flight. These kids are literally like panicking on the inside yeah. and the parents are like, settle down, like quit it, stop, you know, shh. As if that's going to do anything. Like they internally got this like explosion of mm. chemicals happening because of the shit food you're feeding them. So mm. yeah, I think it's it, it's definitely a rabbit hole because unfortunately – we live in a world of convenience. We live in a world of ease and all of this stuff's easy to access. Yeah. So the hardest thing about becoming healthy is actually choosing not to do the easy option. Yeah, everything. It's the, it's the hard, yeah, with, with everything in life. Yeah. But with food especially because it is so easy. For instance, say, say you get thrown out of whack and you don't have time to cook a good meal. What do you do? Well, there's takeaway. There's, oh, shit, just go to Woolies and just get some random shit. We'll just, you know, whatever. It's like... It's not. It's not set up for you to be healthy. Mm. If you're if you're out on a limb, it's you going into a restaurant and getting a takeaway X Y Z can cause serious gut issues, can cause behavioural issues, can cause this stuff. Now I'm not not trying to be the kind of the Grinch here and be like never never have you know that stuff again yeah. because I like the you know I'm a bit of a ninety five five. I I personally say fuck you to the eighty twenty because no one knows <laughs> how to control the twenty yeah. percent. Um, so for me, it's like ninety five. Meat and fruit, uh, and then there's five percent there where I can have you know pizza or some ice cream or you know whatever if, if I'm randomly feeling like it, but very very rarely. I kind of agree with you actually on the eighty twenty because twenty quickly turns into twenty five and becomes thirty, and then before you know it, you're out of whack. Back to your old ways. Yeah. Whereas because, five, you can notice. Fuck, I'm at ten. Stop. Yeah. And just yeah. cut it straight back to a hundred. And and five in your head as a metaphor is like minuscule. Yeah. So ninety five, five, ninety five percent of the time i'm bang on with my nutrition like i'm bang on with high quality nutrient dense food which i know is going to replenish me and, and nourish me in the ways i want and then there's a five percent which is this much 95 five must be like 20 days a year i reckon around that you want so to calculate that's, that's, that, that's <laughs> not much if you what's think five percent of three six five 18 days yeah so that that's good not that's much. a good guess that's like your one, is way better than me <laughs> it's like just over one day a month you can just and that's that's basically up. that's basically me mm. I, i'm even i'm even probably less than that yeah but like i don't i don't live I, even still i'm not like it has to be nine five five that's my mentality to it so because yeah. for instance a lot of people ask me this like oh, oh can you do meat forever and I'm like, yeah, of course you can, if you want to. Do you want to eat meat forever? Yeah. I personally, carnivore diet healed me. Yeah. Carnivore diet got me out of all of these incredible issues, these psycho issues that I couldn't fix with anything else, mm. even with medicine. And now... Medi- medicine being... Oh, like Roaccutane, um, uh, all kinds of painkillers. Oh, all like this, Western medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so all the, all the drugs... No, 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 not natural medicine, but the... Like the pharmaceuticals that yeah, I was yeah, on, yeah. Um, so carnival diet really got me out of that hole. And then my coach at the time was like, "We want to get you to a point where you can tolerate the other foods." Now it doesn't mean that you have them all the time, but you can to- tolerate it without your world turning to shit, mm. um, literally. So I was like, "Yeah, sweet. That sounds like a good goal for me." Mm. And now it's such a great tool for me because it's it's, it's given me the foundation of vitality. Like I'm I'm just thriving all the time. And every now and then I go right, cool. We want to go and have a pizza. Let's go have a pizza. Like I'm not, I'm not constrained to like meat only and everything else. It's like I think that's destroying the whole concept of what it means to be like 
human, right? Like yeah. if I go, if I have the ability to travel, you know, to Italy, there's no way, no yeah. way I'm not having some pizza and some red wine and some gelato. Like I'm in Italy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. However, I know that if I'm back here at home and I reg- regularly have that stuff, I'm going to notice a, an, a change in my energy. I'm going to notice a change in my digestion, in my mental health. My mental health. I'm going to notice it in my irritability, my stillness, everything. Because I've been in that world and it was horrible. And now eating a nutrient-dense whole food approach, you know, prioritizing meat, all that stuff's gone. So I think that's a really encouraging way for people to think about it. It's like, okay, how can I build a personal framework around food that is designed to give me health? Not pleasure. Because if you eat for pleasure, you'll be a fat, sad, sorry motherfucker. Mm. But if you eat for fuel and if you eat for nutrients and vitality, most of the time mm. you'll you'll achieve it. I agree. I reverse seared a um, my favorite meat to reverse sear is the the rib fillet on the on bone. the bone on OP the bone. rib. Yeah, that's great. But <laughs> I, I I had it the other. Um, I think Alicia was sick or something. She had chicken soup, and so I had a bit of the chicken soup, which is basically broth, and then I had one of them. And the next day, I fucking felt so good. I had the best day, and I hadn't eaten meat for probably like a steak, sorry, red meat. I had heaps of fish because we've been up in Harvey Bay. But I just felt so good, and I'm just like, why are people like not just realize like i've got i'm working with all these concreters who are getting up and they're you know it was like um they're pouring at 3am and one of them gave me the card to go to the bp i said this in the last podcast they wanted a pack of smokes three uh six pies and three v's and i i ditched the v's i think and got them water and i didn't get them pies i got them sandwiches but like they're eating breakfast at the server i'm like you guys are working super hard all day and you're fueling your body like this Imagine what you could do. Imagine how much more money you could make or how much more work you could get done or how much more um, better you would serve society if you were fueling your body correctly. Mm. But I guess that's the reality we live and, in, isn't it? And for them, the, the, the money thing is you could make more money, you could you know work easier. But for those guys, you could not fucking hate your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> so many of those guys are just like, well, fucking well, negativity, well, yeah. your shit fucking... It's like, bro... Forget serving society yeah. for, for a minute. Just get yourself into a positive frame <laughs> of mind so you're actually a good person to be around, you yeah. know? like, And I'm not saying that that's all, all tradies. I, I know no, it's incredible tradies, but I, I also did a lot of labouring and I was, I was a bricklayer for a bit. And those environments are just full of toxic nature, just yeah. negativity, bringing down, you know, dragging each other down, rah, all the rubbish that goes on the banter. But it I, really doesn't have to be. It doesn't. It really doesn't. And and I'd, I've worked with heaps of tradies and I, the first thing I say to them buy yourself a sandwich press and take fresh steaks to work grill them from each side and you're done in a couple of minutes and you have a fresh steak on site you'll have no oh, after smoko blues where you want to have a sleep yeah. you'll be straight back into work you have no hunger and the rest of the arvo looking for snacks that's a good idea your energy will be you know absolutely chugging the whole way through and you'll finish and you'll probably want to go to the gym yeah like literally, and and so many of them, like bro, literally doing that change. Yeah, I my whole I don't even I don't even need to sleep when I go home. I, I can have an afternoon instead of going home and sitting on the couch yeah. and feeling like shit. Because if you're thrashing your body in a laborsome job, the last thing you want to be doing is f- topping yourself up with toxic sludge, and then having to deal with all of that stress. Because the work stress, you know, then you go home, the food you've eaten is created stress, and you're feeling lazy, you're feeling lethargic, so you feel like a fat bastard and your energy your motivation everything gets affected mm. make a switch 
buy a sandwich press, take it to work and grill some steaks. I agree. And like you can, I mean, a lot of people would say steaks are expensive, but if you buy the, um, what's it called where you buy the whole bloody rump like that and you yeah, just cut in it bulk. Off, it's like 60 bucks and you yeah. get like 20 steaks. And I, and I constantly say to people, I call bullshit on the expensive thing. Yeah. Right? This is another element of the, the carnivore approach or nutrient dense approach that I like. If you prioritize nutrient dense food mm. and you eat, when you're when you're hungry until you're satiated or when you don't want to eat anymore mm. your body will be able to run on that fuel for so long so you're not needing 3 to 6 meals a day you're not needing snacks you're not needing to stop at the server or stopping for take for takeaway you know i ask people constantly about their food expenditure they'll spend you know 100 bucks on meat they'll spend 100 bucks on you know maybe not maybe maybe 30 40 bucks on veggies you know and then they'll buy some packeted foods, probably 40, 60 bucks. They're looking about 200 bucks as a baseline for the week. Mm. Then they go and spend 200 bucks on shit as well. So you're spending $400 a week on takeaway coffees, on pies, mm. on smokers, on this, on that, energy drinks. It's like smokes, alcohol. You've just blown your weekly expenses out mm. because you've gone and topped up all, all this rubbish. How about taking that 200 or 250 bucks, putting it in your back pocket and just spending 200 bucks a week on meat? Yeah. And you'll be less hungry. No cravings. <laughs> you'll have crazy energy. You'll get super lean. Your testosterone will go through the roof. Fuck, you get boners in the morning I, again. I'll get a story about that. But first, there was a. I wanted to do the test between fucking supermarkets and the markets because, you know, everyone's always like, oh, I can't afford to buy good meat because, you know, you know, whatever. And I'll go to Audi or go to Coles. But I went to Audi and I actually, I was like, oh, fuck, they are actually really cheap. These steaks are $7. Mm. And then I looked at it and I was like, $7. How? And the, the, the steak was a hundred and maybe it was only a hundred grams. Whatever it was, it worked out to be $41 a kilo for a porterhouse. The ones I got at the markets were $39 and they're from Mulaney. Mm. So they're like, one, it's local. Two, it's not su- supporting a German company that's just, you know, massive and destroying our country yeah and it's helping a local farmer and it's helping me <laughs> and, and it's, it's cheaper probably, probably better quality it's better quality and it's, cheaper. and it's not sitting in plastic getting sucked in yeah um so the supermarket shit is bullshit like supermarkets are more expensive they're they've got a marketing budget to make themselves look cheaper that's mm. all it is and if you go there then like you said you go through the wrong the only place you should ever shop a supermarket is the outer one because it's the meat and it's the fruit and veg. <laughs> All the other aisles are crap. You shouldn't go to, into them. Yeah. So then you get sucked into those ones. You buy oh, some chips, you might buy some lollies or whatever, oh. buy some tinned tuna, and then there goes your budget. You've, bought, you've filled your cupboard with crap. Yeah. And it's, you can go to the butcher or you can go to find a farmer and you can buy a whole lamb for $300 and it lasts you like a month and it's $300. But you just need to learn how to cook those other meats and you need to just have a, a freezer. Mm. And it works out like $15 a kilo. It's like there's ways to do it, but yeah, everyone just wants to. There is yeah. like, there's levels, <laughs> and there's then if levels. you get into organs, they're the cheapest fucking meats ever. But mm. we don't really want everyone knowing that because otherwise they'll go up in price. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> good luck if if we get that much of a drive in organs. I'm happy to pay a higher price if people still aren't getting healthy. Let's ramp it up. So I think it's it's such a it's a rabbit hole, man. It, it when you look at the constructs of how our modern world is built, health is not not the top. They, they do not want us to be healthy. They don't want us to be wealthy and they don't want us to live free. They basically want us to live in their constraints. And so if you are shopping in the mainstream propaganda and perspectives on how to eat and shopping, you know, shopping at Woolies, Coles, you're eating what's needed to become a statistic and the statistics mm. are horrible. I don't want to be 
any part near or anywhere close to the st- the, jet, the general population. Mm. When you look at the statistics around mental health, physical health, disease, mm. you know, like even even just like I think about even like relationships and how how easily relationship because they're probably two people that are super sick and like hate, hating their, yeah. they're trying to make a relationship work. So it's like if we were just healthy, thriving, full of full of life and could be there to support each other and actually love this experience that's life, that it would be such a better world. And I know I don't have to push that fact. Everyone, it's clear, obviously, but it's simple. Mm. It's like get back to really simple ways of living. Mm. So simple being you don't have to go to the, the groceries, go to the groceries twice a week or every week, you know, get your, get your stock in bulk, mm. have freezers, have this, you know, get even get food delivery, like mm. get an organic box delivered to you. It's going to save you in time and effort and all the other shit that you buy when you go there. Mm. There are so many ways to set yourself up to gain back time, to gain back energy, to gain back health. Mm. And if you're not simplifying your life, you're making it harder. So I think it's such a big, big thing that people just, they're so consumed and go, 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 all this like, and they're just grinding, mm. absolutely grinding. And it's like, dude... Life is so epic. It can be. It can be so epic. It can also be very hard. But take take the you know necessary steps to make mm. life simple. I think simple life is where I'm getting at. It is beautiful. Mm. And I think you know life is hard and life is suffering. And there's like you can choose. You can choose to create suffering for yourself that makes it harder. That ultimately gives you a reward, or you can fall into the easy path where you're still going to suffer regardless, mm. but you don't get any reward for it. Like when you eat shit food, you suffer because you're, you know, everything we've said, you're tired, you get overweight, you lose your sex drive, everything's horrible. But if you, you know, get um, nutrient dense food and you go to the gym and you, you know, do breath work and all the hard things, they suck, but then they're so good. There's a, there's a reward mm. for it. So you can choose to live life of suffering with a reward or just life of suffering. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's funny because it's it sucks for only a small percentage at the start. Yeah. Because once you get the return, like for instance, and this is this may sound contradictory, but I love eating like organic two day fermented sourdough pizza. Fucking bang. Hits the hits the nail on the head. It is it's so tasty. I love pizza. But if I eat a steak, I enjoy it almost more now because of the way my lifestyle, I actually enjoy doing, and for instance, like the gym, people say, oh, going to the gym's tough. It can be like, oh, you know, it's strenuous and it makes you, it's hard on your body. It's, you got to push. Yes. But when you're doing it, you, there's this like love hate relationship. You just love, there's something about human nature where you just love mm. that part of the struggle that, that you know is making you better. Yeah. And so you become, you actually become more attracted to the st- the struggle or the hardship because you know you're getting so much growth out of it. Yeah. You know, so it's in a way, yes, it's hard and it's it's it sucks, but it also it it's also the most beautiful thing ever. Yeah. I think I've learned so much about myself in those hard moments, in the hard sessions when I'm, you know, sitting in stillness and you know working through some stuff or you know, having like meeting myself the resistance with the ice bath. If I ever look at the ice bath and I'm like, oh, no, not today. I'm like, you motherfucker, yeah, get, get over there and sit in that ice bath. Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and that, like, that's the enjoyment of it. It's like yeah. you can call yourself out on your own shit. So I think yeah. that's such an enjoyment, enjoyful part of that whole process of like leaning into that hardship. And we're just, we're just not encouraged to do it. We're so driven towards comfort. Yeah. And, 
comfort is literally the killer. Have you ever um, tried semen retention? I have. I thought you might bring this up. <laughs> I have. I um I went three and a half months. Yep. And I felt good for probably the first. And this come from. Uh, I'll, I'll pre-frame it for everyone. I used to I used to masturbate. I reckon probably two or three times a day yeah, right. when I was uh. Gee, well, I mean, it started early. Like, I started looking at porn pretty early, mm. um, like thirteen, like 12, 13 on the bus, you know, and then you kind of get your own phone and whatever. Mm. Um, but then, like, really bad, like, in my maybe 19, 20, early mm. 20s, mm. I'd have, I'd, I'd masturbate, like, in the morning when I woke up, mm. then I'd, like, <laughs> when I got home from work, maybe I'd have a shower and masturbate, and then, like, every night before bed, I'd masturbate. Yeah, right. So I was like fully, Chronic. yeah, I was so yanking you, it. You can speak. <laughs> <laughs> I was pushing to the limit. So, and, and, and it became a, an addiction in itself, that yeah. little dopamine squirt on the brain when you're like, oh, yeah, sick. There's like, yeah. That's like an addictive cycle. Yeah. Um, and so I, I eventually, you know, I, I eventually quit porn doing a mentorship, my, one of my first mentorships with Keegan Smith. He used to speak a lot about porn's a killer, like for any man, they like, should be watching it. So I, I took the means to quit back then. I relapsed a few times in a few years, but basically, like it, I've, it's gone. Mm. There's no need for it. Um, fully aware of the, the destruction that happens with it mm. and the addictive cycles. Um, so yeah, I, I, I actually last year just and and it was interesting because it was uh, when Nick was pregnant and then it was kind of like not happening. Mm. I went, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this thing like I may as well. Mm. And yeah, went like two and a half months feeling really good, and then started noticing that I, I was feeling um unmotivated. Mm. And so I read up on it a little bit, and they're like, yeah, while it's beneficial to push for ages, it's also good to have like a routine, not just be like ejaculating all the time, but yeah, like yeah. be on bit more of a schedule. So I find for myself now, it's like once every two weeks, yep. feel I, I feel like this rush of creativity and zest. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And then when yeah. I, you know, I do ejaculate, it's done in a conscious way, like even you know, in intercourse with Nick and yep. you know, in an intimate way or um, self-pleasure. So it's been <laughs> such a journey for me going. I know you're on the 100, right? You're doing the 100? I've started again, yeah. That was why I brought it up because there's a guy that I know. The reason I did is because a mate of mine um, going through a similar thing that, well, he wasn't, I, don't, I wouldn't say he was nearly at that level like morning and night, but porn and just, you know, masturbation. Um, and he was also vegetarian. And the, and he got his bloods done. His testosterone was like five or something. And he's <laughs> like our age. But bro, like... <laughs> He's like 40 days now. Every day I'm getting messages like, fuck, I don't know what to do with all my energy. Like he's eating meat again. He's eating heaps of lamb. He can't eat um, cow because of his um, religion. religion. But yeah. um, bro, just the energy. He's like, I've just never, it's like I ate meat and got energy and now I'm retaining my semen and I've just got too much energy. I don't know what to do with it all. Mm. But I do think you do hit a point where it's like, everyone's like, fuck, it must be crazy getting 300 days. I think all it was is, that was last year I did that. I got, to probably 100 days and then it's just the same mm. you're like you no longer crave sex you no longer crave everything you're essentially just in this monk mode and you might get you might get the craving for it but you can easily observe it and just go yeah whatever mm. um but yeah i would say that the most benefits come from 30 days and 60 days and then after that it's kind of like i don't know then, there's too much difference yeah then then it's almost like a commitment to a milestone right yeah like like it, it is uh, and i do see that as like that's a part of it 
and for some people it's a fully useful tool it's like if yeah. you're like crazy hooked on porn and you know masturbating it's like dude commit to a, a long period whether it's 90 or 100 days commit yeah. to it and don't fucking break it to prove to yourself that you're a man of your word yeah you know 100%. for me i did it from an experimentation thing of like all right i'm just gonna stop and i'm yeah. just gonna see how long i go and i got to that like kind of three month period and yeah. i actually noticed that um going like every two weeks i had that that energy like that mm. life force in my body mm. and i was being creative and you know focused and everything i was feeling good in the gym and energy was up uh and then yeah, I didn't get to that kind of like flat period because it like it did it, it, it was weird. It did like flatten out where I got mm. I was starting to get and maybe maybe I needed to go within even deeper mm. and sit with those feelings. But I did started to feel a bit more irritable and yeah. losing losing motivation and stuff. So I kind yeah. of like felt like it was like a the other side of the peak. Yeah. So yes, I did vipassana at probably a hundred days accidentally last year. Like I just I booked it and then I just so happened to be there. And it was the most disciplined I've ever done it. Like it's a pretty militant sort of practice, like up up at four and meditate all day. And I didn't miss any and I'd sit there for like two hours sometimes and just not move. And like I was just so determined for it. And I think that did play a part in, Mm. you know, not having, just having that extra energy in there. But you do need, I think, learn how to move that around your body. Um, I believe that probably 65, I think it's 65 days it said in the book, Multi-Orgasmic Man, I don't know if you've oh, heard yeah, that. Yeah. I've heard of it, I haven't I read it. I think it was 65 days, maybe it wasn't that book, but 65 days it takes to replenish your actual um, sperm, otherwise you're just replenishing seminal fluid. Mm. So it's like 65 days before you actually top right up again. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that next 30 days probably isn't much different. Because I saw something, and I'm going to butcher this, the... It was a principle with Chinese or mm. something, and it was like dependent on your age, yeah. you've got more tolerance. So it's like if you're under 20, you can go every within every two yeah. weeks or under seven days or something, and then like 20 to 30 is two weeks, yeah. 30 to 40, you know, three weeks, and then it like kind of has these like incremental jumps as you get older, you know, um, that you don't want to be ejaculating too yeah. often because it's really sucking the energy out of you. I wonder if it's got anything – I have read that as well. I wonder if it's got anything to do with the way your testosterone starts to lower. And I wonder if there is any correlation between retaining that and increasing mm. testosterone. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is interesting because I, you know, Alicia and I met last year just as I kind of like was at the end of it and then you get back into a cycle of having sex more and then I started noticing, I mean, there wasn't, I can't just blame sex because, you know, moving in with someone and complete lifestyle change, went from eating meat to being with a nutritionist who's feeding me vegetables, so I'll blame that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like God things, damn. I noticed like, um, in myself, like, you know, go to have a cold shower and like, nah, fuck it. And like, I would just turn the hot on. Whereas now, ever since I started that again, like I started doing breath work again, mm. I'd look at the cold shower and I just go, fuck you and turn it on. And like in Melbourne, I had a couple of cold showers and they were a lot harder than I feel. So good. But, <laughs> so good. but like, I noticed a lot of these disciplines coming back from just, you, you, you create one of the hardest things, which is retaining from your sexual craving, which I believe is one of the hardest things. Mm. Um, you know, it is such a powerful energy. Maybe food and sex are probably on par because we need food to survive and we need we all crave sex from mm. the moment we're 12. But <laughs> I yeah, think you, you become disciplined in that and the rest of your life starts to become um, more disciplined. I think as a human, this is a stand standby rule that really benefits everyone, mm. but especially for men. It, it's, it's quite literally just committing to your word. Yeah. And the more you can stick by a word and follow through you you build that self-trust and it's 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 i think it it is also the relationship with yourself you trust yourself mm. 
you know you're not hot, you don't have hollow words. You know, I'm not perfect with my word because, you know, heaps of stuff's going on and whatever and I'm still working on being like if I say something that it actually gets done. Mm. But the more the more I follow through on my word, the better I feel in myself and the better that then ripples out to everyone else. And I've I've noticed things like committing to training daily, committing to some sort of routine mm. that reinforces you fucking did it. Yeah. You said you were going to do it and you did it. And it might literally, and this is what I work with people as well, it doesn't have to be change the world shit. Mm. It's p- specific to you. It could be, man, just get up or, or just, you know, prepare your clothes the night before. That's all I want you to do for 30 days, yeah. you know. Can you just do that? It's like the simplest thing. And then, okay, you've got that habit in. You've got a little bit of trust. Holy shit, I did that for 30 days. Mm. Maybe I can, oh, I'll add something else. Maybe it's a glass of water in the morning before anything else. You know, start simple, but you start building in this identity of someone who does what they're going to say. And the more you can bring that into your life, the more you'll thrive because you can do it in your, your life, your relationships, your health, your, your business, your work, whatever. Mm. You can just go, right, I'm a man. I'm going to say I'm going to do something. I'm doing it. Yeah, and it, it's a journey. It's a journey because we are bombarded with distractions, with stimulus, with you know external validation, acceptance, yeah. and you know all of these things. These flashy lights going on. Yeah, if you can zone it in and actually complete tasks that that reinforce who you are as a person, that that character just gets stronger and stronger. So yeah, I think when you're retaining, you've got that that commitment. Foundation. You've got that decision, and then the other thing is like, yeah, sweet, I do this cold shower, bang. You know, food, bang, I'm not going to eat that shit. Yep. Yeah, I agree. 100%. And you said you don't change the world, but ultimately the more you improve you, uh, you, the more you do change the world because your actions then ripple out and, mm. you know, change your community, change your family, change your community and ultimately change our um, country. So the, it, it all comes back to you and, yeah, it is a journey and, like, fuck, we talk about it and, like, people probably think we talk about it like we're experts, but, like, we're... You know, we relapse on everything all the time. You just have to go, fuck, all right, back to it. Get back into it. Get back to the gym. Get back into the ice. Mm. Like, it was hard getting back into a cold shower because I did ice baths religiously last year and then I moved and I didn't have an ice bath. Then it was six months without it and fuck, I was scared of cold water. I was fucking scared of cold water. And, like, I did eight minutes last year one um, on one session. I'm like, how did I get eight minutes in a bath? Like, I'm like fucking scared of 30 seconds in the shower now. Mm. But then slowly, slowly, and then, you know, a couple minutes in Melbourne just then, and now I'm ready to get them back in the ice. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> that, that resistance is so funny, hey. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's never going to leave. Mm. Like Joe Rogan says, it's, it's the little bitch that's sitting on your shoulder. Yeah. You know, it, it's there. Yeah. And no matter who you are, it's going to be there. You know, these guys, the, the difference is other people know how to see it, acknowledge it, and go, I can hear, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Or, you know, for me, it's whenever I notice myself saying, oh, fuck that. I'm like, bang. Yeah. Get back in. That's my sign. Get in. That's that little monkey. You know, like if I ever walk past a bath and I don't even have a thought, then it's like, I'm not going to get in because it's, yeah. there's no resistance. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I see the resistance. I'm like, whoa, there's, there's my opportunity. Go yeah. and sit in there. Find some stillness. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's cool. But, but again, so another the, another topic of my mentor Keegan Smith, he's big on men committing to a mission. Yeah. And that mission, like before, not changing the world. That mission is not trying to change the world as a whole, it's tr- changing you first. And whether it's you literally commit to something for 5 days or you commit to it for 25 or you can, then you push it out to 90 or whatever, it's just have something com- to commit to and and reinforce your 
decisions. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to do this for five days. Did you do it? Sweet. You want to go 15? Sweet. Yeah. And compound your wins until you literally become a different person through routine and habit. Yeah. And that's, that's the way out of that whole distraction world where you're just constantly getting torn in all these different ways. It's like pick something and just do it. Yeah. And then once it's a part of you, add little things in, but don't try and change everything at once because you'll just get overwhelmed and you'll just, oh, fuck this and you'll just go back to comfort. Yeah. So, and, and this is why I think Andy Frazella's 75 hard is, is so good, but yeah. also so challenging for people yeah. because it's a huge, it's a huge step. Like there, there is a lot in that. Yeah. And there, I think there's a, there's, I don't know the numbers, but I'm pretty sure there's a huge fail rate. Yeah. I like, imagine there is. I actually don't know anyone who's done it. Yeah, my mate in Sydney's done like three or four of them. <laughs> yeah, he's right. like so juiced up on them. But um, they they are good. But I've I've done I've tried to do it twice, and I get I always just slip something up, and you have to start again from the beginning, mm. and that fucks you up. It's just yeah. like fuck back to one again. But it's good. Like I actually recommend it's like one of the best things. But like you said, it's so many things at once. You got to read ten pages. You got to um, train. You, Twice a day, you three to, five liters of water, three liters. Of water. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a few yeah. things in there that I don't agree with. So yeah. that's I've never done it because I'm like I look at it and I go I wouldn't want to fucking do that because I don't agree with that yeah. that stimulus on the body. Yeah. First of all, because a lot of people, if they complete it, they're gonna relapse because yeah. it's you can't it's you much. can't sust or can't. Andy, you know these guys. There's probably people out there sustaining that level of yeah. commitment. Where I'm at in my life. I don't want to sustain that as my routine. So I, I don't actually see any value in committing to it because after it, there's just going to be a lay period. And unless I had like a specific goal of I needed to do this to get an X result, then I wouldn't commit to it. And that's what I see in a lot of people. It's like, it's an amazing thing, but think about it as, you know, what do you, what do you actually want to get out of it? You know, and it's like, if you can structure commitment to get to the result, cool. But if you're just committing to something because, oh, it's 75 hard, cool, I should do it. Yeah you're first of all going to push yourself probably way too hard. You could, a lot of people get injured in it because they're doing these t- crazy sessions twice a day. Mm. And I'm like, man, the, the, you don't need to be moving your body that much, mm. you know? And, but there's also like incredible success stories on it. Like people like just change their whole life on it. So it's yeah. like, there's, I think knowing what you're doing and the intention behind it and then thinking long-term as well, not just like willy-nilly committing to stuff. Like think out your steps ahead, mm. be really, constructive with what you want to get out of something and then think about it. It's like, all right, am I, am I committing to the, for what reason? What result am I going to get? Cool. Can I sustain it? Do I need to have some sort of integration period where I come off it in a way that then I, I make sure I continue some of the habits? Mm. So I'm not just like, hey, I'm done. Sweet. Back to being a dumbass. <laughs> uh, I think that's a really important aspect of goal setting. And yeah, yeah it's it's something that people miss a lot is that is they have these massive commitments and then they go to nothing after. Mm. Oh shit! What now? And they've they can you can feel depressed after it as mm. well. It's gnarly. And if you like you said, if you take small steps, when you do fuck up, you're only it feels more achievable to start again. Mm. Like it's like the five day thing. If you hit four days, you're like, oh fuck. Well, next time I'll do five definitely. And you go for the five, and then if that was easy, then go for your ten or whatever. Mm. And I think for men especially, I think we get fulfillment out of like building and serving people. So, like, when you're building yourself, well, you're ultimately got, you're going to be rippling out your, you know, you'll be rewarded by achieving that within yourself. So then you're going to be happier to your partner, and then she's mm. going to, you know, that will ripple out by actually being truthful to yourself. So yeah, the overflowing effect of being a better person inside your own head, knowing yeah. that you're doing actions that are helping you, growing yeah. you, you know, developing you, 
it you you just become a natural presence to be yeah. around that's enjoyable. You because yeah. you you don't I I found in myself when I'm bang on with everything and when I'm you know in in flow and I'm getting I'm being disciplined and I'm training, mm. man, I'm just. I don't even have to try. I'm not, 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 it's actually yeah. a really good point. I'm not trying. I'm yeah. just doing and I'm just being versus yeah. trying to get the, you know, it's like there's this energy of trying instead of just being like, I am who I am and yeah. I'm building these better habits and I'm making me feel an epic. That's all I have to focus on. And then I'm more calm in my relationships. Mm. I'm more still in my own mind. I'm more peaceful with, yeah. with other people. I'm enjoying my own relationship with myself. I'm proud of myself. Cool. This is a really great spot to be. And I think, yeah, if if guys, if you're listening to this and you you're not actually confident in yourself and you're mm. really struggling with that daily choice, just commit to something simple mm. and just commit to it for a small period of time. Five days, cool. Knock that off. Now go for twenty five days, cool. Knock that off. Extend it, and then once it's a part of you, you're just going to do it naturally every time you wake up. Hundred percent. And I think one of my favorite quotes. I mean, this is bullshit because I've got so many favorite quotes, but. Do or do not. There's no try. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's just so true. It's like just just do the thing or mm. don't do it. Like don't say oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to do this. Like because once you actually do commit, like Jordan said, like for five days, it, five days is like that. Like I think mm. I'm almost at I'm almost at a month of retention, and you know, hundred days sounds great. Actually, what's funny is I remember Alicia saying like you could tell her resistance around it, but she was fully supportive. Like she's like, oh fuck, no sex for hundred days. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know, probably are, we probably are going to have sex, but I'm not going to say that. And then you know, our sex life's like actually better than it has been for like six months because mm. of it. And I'm just my intention isn't to finish. Mm. So then your intention changes and my intention's for her now, mm. which it normally is, but like there's still that part of you which like if you can retain from that and then you can kind of, you go for longer and then, you know, everything just... That's a just big rabbit of, hole. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a huge rabbit, rabbit hole. hole. But I'm, I want to eventually get to the point where I can, you know, dry orgasm and then mm. it's just like, you know, yeah. but that's hard. That's And like this, I remember, um, I've tried it like years ago to get to that point and I went like too hard. Like it was like, all right, let's try now. Let's try now. Because now I'm just like, I'm just not trying. I'm just going to, it's just cut, not not having an orgasm. And then slowly I'll get there, mm. you know. Because you realize, you just fuck it up so many times. Like, oh, maybe I'll push it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And if you're in your head, you're not yeah. having sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I've, I've uh, definitely done that. And I've been in my head too much. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think about, you know, retention or whatever. Yeah. And it, it changes the dynamic of it. So it's yeah. it's really interesting as man because you do want to improve this it's a skill set like not you know pre- premature ejaculating or not coming too early or not doing this yeah. it's like it's a massive part of our lives yeah. because it's a big part of sex that you you don't want to be that as a guy you don't yeah. you want to be able to satisfy your woman and have a deep intimate relationship without you know these you know just premature ejaculation or coming too early or you know blowing yeah. your load and not being able to control and not be deep in a moment without you know mm. blowing so that's a big part of it because as a man, you want to get some sort of grip on it. But then if you start thinking about it too much, you're not actually being present at all. Yep. And so the whole dynamics of intercourse and, and having that intimate moment is completely different because you're in your head. She's trying to be present. She's like, what's going on? Mm. So it's, 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 a, it's definitely a big area, I think, for men to 
to navigate. Mm. You know, because I think it's a rewarding process if you can do it properly and you can get to a point where you can control yourself. Yeah. Um, because those urges, man, those those urges are also a metaphor, you know, for life, like excitement and yeah. going too hard, too fast, and not sust- <laughs> it's not, yeah, not yeah. being sustainable <laughs> and not thinking long term, and yeah. like all these things also show up in our life. Are you just like go 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 and not thinking about your actions, or yeah. you know, can you? I don't know, presence is probably a big thing about it. Like, because a lot of times they say, just be with your breath and be in the that's, moment. That's, that's what was coming up for me just then. And yeah. I was thinking, how true is it that that reflects to everything we've spoken about? Like, you go, you see a pizza and you just kind of come back to your breath and you feel the craving and you just don't eat it today. Yeah. You know, like everything is when you learn to meditate or just, I mean, breath work. Breathwork for me is harder but also a lot easier than Vipassana. But it's like it's easier for me to just do it now, but it's harder in the sense of it's work. So you've got to actually – it's like you're going to the gym. Mm. But, but I think if you can just learn to just, just be with your breath, feel it expand and feel it contract, and you just drop into that the moment you get a craving, the moment you you know get angry, you just stop, drop into your breath. The, when you're having sex, if you're just with your breath, it's just you're completely present. Because it's the only time we can all be present is just observing our breath. And then, every, like you said, it just becomes so much better. Mm. Yeah, it's some gold right there. <laughs> just focus on the breath. And if you just got to catch yourself. You got you build that skill set. And a lot of people just don't even understand their breath. They don't understand the power in it. They don't understand the awareness it brings or even the... It's like hindsight's a beautiful thing, right? But if you breathe, you can actually bring hindsight forward and have foresight. You know, you can actually make those decisions in the moment yep. instead of being like, oh, fuck, I should have done that. Yep. It's like breath work brings you into that foresight. Yep. You know, so in the moment, you don't just a knee-jerk reaction res- response or impulse. Yep. It's like, okay, there's my, re- you know, there's my response. And that's a big thing. It's a huge thing when it comes to food. It's a huge yep. thing when it comes to emotional, you know, intelligence is like yep. not doing those knee jerk and I'm not I'm not trying to be a guru here I'm fuck I still fuck up all the time <laughs> don't you worry about that so I'm still you know on the journey myself as we are in life uh, but I think the more you can develop those skills it gives you a bigger window of tolerance yep. and you build that window of tolerance and you know you only get stretched at your edges mm. if your edges are out here it's harder to to be you know rocked mm. so yeah create that bigger window of tolerance so that when there is stressful environments or when there is things going down or when you are triggered or whatever, you can, you've got this, all this space to work in with awareness and control yep. instead of being like this always on nice edge and then just impulse rate, you know. One of the first things you can do is actually just observing if you're a mouth breather or you're breathing through your nose. Because mm. generally people who are so stressed are mouth breathers. They're just short, shallow breathing through their mouth. But if you mm. can just... You just drop straight into presence. Game changer. Right? I mean, yeah. it, it, it's a, you drop into presence once you've developed it. Yeah. Because I, I personally going on my own journey with breathwork, I remember when I first started breathwork, it was like fucking hard and mm. it, it was confronting. Like taking a deep breath was really hard. Like I was, I'd be like, <sighs> like yeah, right. I was shaky. I had so much anxiety and depression and emotion running anger through my body mm. that slowing down to take it was, was really confronting mm. and so for people who are told it's just breathe mm. it's like mm, it actually brings up a lot of shit and so what, what's encouraging to hear is that by breathing and focusing on your breathing you'll start to you know as dissolve 
that that experience. You'll start yeah. to work through it. It's not just like a given for everyone because for some people they're like, I can't take a deep breath. Then. No, I'm not doing it, you know, because it's like it means they have to like get out of that fight or flight, which is a big switch for their nervous mm. system. It's actually it's actually dangerous for their nervous system. Then their nervous system is like, we're safe here, yeah. we're in control, we know we know what's happening. And if I slow down, fuck, I've got to slow down. I've got to think about things and confront yeah, yeah. things. Yep. So it's like, it's okay. I know it feels weird. Breathe until you feel it. And for people, it can be weeks, man. It can be mm. like I was I was having people come regularly to breathwork sessions, and Three or four weeks, they're still like, man, I still can't relax. And then finally, by turning up, turning up, turning up, knowing that it's safe and hearing other people's experiences and, oh, shit, they're going through it. Yeah, fuck, we're all in this together. Oh, fuck, why am I holding on to that? Mm. You know, it's like you got to push against that resistance and t- until it breaks. What does Joe know? say about, Joe Dispenza say about um, the familiarity with exactly what you said, like your body people become so familiar with anxiety that it becomes so normal to them that when they leave it, it's like that's their safe haven, they go back to it. Mm. Yeah, it's a different identity. It's like trying on a new skin. And for some people, it can feel really uncomfortable. Mm. Like being, like you watch, I watch, I mean, this is a pretty blanket statement, but you watch, what, how many percent of men can't sit still? Mm. Next time you're sitting in a restaurant, look around and look at the people that are shaking a leg or tapping their fingers. I do that a lot. Yeah, you got a lot. <laughs> you got a lot going on, right? Probably some big decisions that you're stewing on. But I would say most most guys, it's not over big stuff. Yeah. Um, and but it's it's also a good indication that the mind's racing. Yeah. Because you can look around, and commonly you'll see guys kind of mm. knees tapping, foot tapping, you know, leaning over, tapping their fingers. Yeah. Um, and if you were to ask them people to be still, that's going to be super confronting. Mm. They're going to sit there and go like. I look like a fucking weirdo. Yeah. What the fuck? Am oh, I, I know exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I've I feel like like I'm conscious when I do it. Like I'm conscious that I'm tapping or whatever. Yeah. But I can also just stop and just like sit there if I have mm. to for an hour. And I think that is the you know I know exactly what you mean. Like mm. people that are uncomfortable with the stopping. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I'm like yeah yeah I know what you mean. Yeah, but you're you're also really very intelligent and you got a lot going on. You got a big decision. You you're a hammer. So. You know, that's not to say that that energy is a, a representation of something negative that I would yeah. say. I would just say that you've got, you know, subconscious stuff going on, which is huge. You know, you, yeah. you're a businessman, your relationships, all this stuff that you're doing. Yeah. I, I do recognize it though in people who aren't um, stable in their emotions. And I notice it in myself. If I'm ever, if I haven't done the work to slow myself down, like if I'm thinking about a million different things, um, some big decisions and you know, and I'm a bit angry I haven't addressed something mm. you know with someone it might be you know a client or a relationship or whatever and you know maybe I'm stewing on something and I haven't addressed it it'll show up in me I'll be at like mm. the dinner table and then I what's so cool about awareness now is if I see it if I feel it and I'm like oh I'm shaking my leg okay what haven't I processed yeah fuck I know I need to have that conversation I know I need to make that call I know I need to do this and you're not doing it so you're not trusting yourself and you're feeling down in yourself and you're doubting yourself that's why it's showing up it's like boom 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 boom. there's some level of anxiety and I don't think anxiety is a bad thing anxiety is just a signal so can we pay attention to the signal can we dissolve it resolve it sweet awesome it's when we identify with it as if it's like a, a hold on us that's when it becomes a problem yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, huge, bro. Huge. <laughs> so interesting. It's been a good chat. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's, I think there's a couple more things I just want to, because um, we're probably reaching that hour. But yeah. 
Indy, is it? Yeah, in, indigo. Yeah, indigo. Does he eat a carnivore diet, meat and fruit? Like, what's what's your philosophy there on like what age is okay? Is it like safe for pregnant women? Like, what do you think? Or I mean, you're not. Oh, really all right. So saying it, but. yeah, look, I I personally wouldn't uh, go blanket statement and say it, it's good for everyone yeah. to just go ahead, right? I yeah. think it's like so case dependent it is so individualized in terms of where people at in their health you know things like medication all kinds of different scenarios how well they go with um periods without food like i'm not saying fasting because it's it's basically like are you ruled by food are you always hungrier like you know what's what's Mm. your hormone levels all these different things play into it right so i'll i'll start with our philosophy for kids it's clear and and through the work I've, I've done with Weston A. Price and looking into his his research, it's clear that kids who eat a diet high in saturated fat have a greater development of their jaws, of their brains, of basically everything that the, all the functions in hum, human, humans as, as kids growing mm. versus if they grow up on a standard Australian diet, standard American diet, whatever, you know, grains, fruits, veggies, sugars, minimal meats, it's pretty clear, and, and and we can look at the rates. We can look at the statistics of health in children. It's mm. it's the worst it's ever been. Yes, processed food plays into that, but I think there is great value in increasing saturated fats for children in, in terms of the development of the brain and also from their satiation. Okay, so not always needing food, but actually supported with their energy and, and, uh, and, and basically all the physiology that's going on. So our philosophy, we followed Western A. Price's kind of like philosophy on it. It was a lot of fats, it was a lot of proteins and minimal carbs. Like very, like I think he had like some blueberries and some banana and stuff. He might have had some little bit of sweet potato, but not like not like loading his plate up with veggies. We we prior, we wanted as a as a couple and as his parents to provide his gut microbiome a very good palate for protein and fat before carbs were introduced. So he went, I think he went the first month, six weeks, basically just on fats and protein. Uh, and then we introduced some blueberries, some avocado. Um, we introduced banana and it blocked him right up. He got constipated from it. So we didn't. We took that out um, and, and resolved that. So it's really interesting as a, as a parent because you start, you can notice things like the consistency of their, their poo. Like, is it running? Is it stiff? Is Are they struggling? It's like all this stuff. But for anyone listening, if they are interested... Um, Nourishing Traditions for Children is Weston A. Price's book and he's literally all the research behind why this stuff's so critical for children and why we've moved away from it in society and, and why kids are the most, I'll say most fucked up ever. Mm. If you look at children's health, obesity, learning difficulties like autism, all this stuff is like, it's crazy, man. These young kids, they're, they they They've not even been on the earth for seven, eight, nine years and they're riddled, riddled with health issues. It's like, what the fuck is going on? We need to take take control. Mm. If you're a parent, you need to take responsibility for giving your child the best foundation to continue thriving through life. And by feeding them a standard Australian diet or by f- even feeding them like, you know, just veggies is crazy. It's it's I don't I don't think it's wrong because it's your child and if you want to do it go for it but I think it's absolutely crazy to to feed a child that and and malnourish them in that yeah. way so for us with Indy proteins and fats as much as we can yeah. um, for instance if he if we have bolognese um, he'll have his protein first so he'll eat his 
he'll eat his meat until he's basically full and sometimes he stops and that's his dinner before he eats pasta but then every now and then he'll have some gluten-free pasta you know because nick Nick eats a bit of gluten-free pasta with her bolognese so we noticed that and it's interesting right because sugar's fucking awesome Mm. sugar is so good (laughs) there is something so addictive about it like they've proven it's more addictive than bloody cocaine you know it is like a drug and so as a human being, especially as a young human being that doesn't have a lot of conscious thought going on yet mm. and the ability to kind of consider things, if we, had, if we gave him his bolognese with pasta, mm. he would pick the pasta out and eat it first because yeah. he knows the carbs. He's like, yep, yeah. yep, sweet. And, he, and he'll eat a whole – he would eat that. But if we don't give him that, if we give him the meat first, he smashes through it yeah. and sometimes he doesn't need the pasta. Every now yeah. and then he goes, oh. Pasta? I'm like, yeah, we'll give him a, give him a couple at the end. Yeah, yeah. But that's our philosophy. It's like meat, protein, and fat first because yeah. we want to nourish him with that, help him satiate, give him all the essential amino acids and the nutrients, vitamins that come with it. And then, you know, you can have a bit of sugar, you know, here and there or some carbs yeah. here and there. Yeah. Um, and look, he's, he's awesome. He's thriving. He's strong. He's fit and healthy. Awesome. And um, yeah, he's, he's, a little, he's a little beast. And he's, but he's, 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 not, he's not like a, a ragged like a like a hammer. He's he's also calm and loving and mm. extremely generous and he's he's awesome. He's he's my best little mate. I love you. <laughs> so good. But it is a, it is a very interesting uh it's it's interesting playing out these philosophies in your life when you when you have these views on the world and yeah. then also when you have kids you've got the responsibility yeah. and a lot of people say that, oh he eats a lot of meat. It's like is that dangerous? Like, no, it's not. The research I've done, the studies that I've looked at and the, the way the body works, the way I understand it, it's not dangerous. It's actually completely natural for our human evolution to eat this way. We've just been kind of distracted and sent another down this you know, yellow brick road that's leading us to this bloody fairyland that everyone is cooking everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty... Uh, We've got that to look forward hole. to next year. Yeah. January, Aussie Day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Congrats. Thanks, man. <laughs> that's uh, um, that's huge, bro. Yeah, should be good, dude. That's so good. Congrats, man. It's like Thanks, man. holy shit. I can't explain how fucking epic it is. It is so cool. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, awesome. and it's just, man, you just can build this incredible bond with these little humans who are just they're just so they're so pure, man. They 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 just want to have fun. They want to play. They want to love. They're, it's it's so refreshing. It's so refreshing, and it's beautiful. It's a an amazing experience as hard as it is and as gnarly as it can be your eyes falling out of your head and right whatever no sleep and frustrations it is the best thing in the world yeah it is so good final question before we end what similarities do you see between veganism and carnivore oh bro so many first of all i think there's um there's no right or wrong i i see i do know people who eat vegan and feel good Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's about bashing certain sides. Um, yes, there can be some comedy and some humor from both sides, like taking the piss out of each other. But at the end of the day, I'm like, fuck, if you want to be, if you just want to eat fruits and veggies, go for it. Like, I couldn't care less. And if you feel good on it, awesome. Um, same with carnival. Like, I'm, I tell people all the time, eat it. If you don't feel good, don't do it. Yeah. Like, don't be dogmatic about it. Similar Similarities. No, hopefully, no processed food. So, hopefully, we've yeah. moved away from shitty processed food unfortunately more commonly than not in the vegan community they tend to have that kind of like those fake fake processed foods that are like vegan friendly and healthy um but on the other side there's also meat and you know 
processed meat is is proven to uh, cause issues. So you don't want to be having a lot of processed meats. You want to be having quality, natural, grass-fed, you know, delicious. <laughs> Definitely thinking about meat, but beautiful meats. You don't want to be having processed stuff. So I think if we can draw a line in like realizing that a whole foods approach, moving away from processed food is is beneficial, yep. that's also a win. Um, moving into other similarities, deaths for an- animals. We both care about the planet and animals' lives. On the vegan side, they think that killing animals for food is horrible. And then from my perspective, I think the agricultural and crop and cropper, uh, cropping is disgusting, the, the amount of animal lives that are just decimated in the, mm. you know, the process to get the abos on your plate. Mm. Um, I think that's much worse than it is nurturing. And this is a funny point because a lot of people say to me all the time, Animal cruelty. It's like, do you know what happens in nature? Mm. Have you watched what happens to a, a beast or a cow or something when it gets absolutely mauled in, yep. in nature? It dies alive having things eat it. Mm. Whereas if it's brought up on a regenerative farm, it gets all of these grasslands to graze. It gets incredible, great, looked after. It's in amazing environments. It has, that's an epic life. It's like going to the five-star bloody resort. And then at the end, bang, gone. You know, it's like versus being out in the wild and getting a leg ripped off and its guts eaten apart by, you know, a wild animal. And I'm sure the stresses of the animal, because, I mean, game's normally tougher meat because it's always on edge, always running, always trying to, you know, mm. escape a prey. But a cow's just never got a prey. It's just chilling. Bro, so, they're just, they're like <laughs> maxing out. Whereas a buffalo or like, yeah, a wild buffalo probably does. It probably is tougher because it's like literally running from lions all the time. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do. It's one piece of advice to say, that vegans, if you want to be on a vegan diet, you have mm. to follow Nature is Metal. Yeah. <laughs> like if you can uh, watch yeah, Nature yeah, is yeah, Metal, yeah, yeah. The, the Instagram page yeah. where it just shows how hectic nature is and yeah. like that's where your like your animals are. Yeah. It's like it's not like this pretty world where they're like never going to die. Mm. Like it's, it's gnarly out there. And in fact, we've created a way to heal the earth through regenerative farming if it's done properly and not, you know, factory farming. But if you actually look after the land and regenerate it and use ruminant animals to drive carbon back in and have the whole ecosystem support itself and they have an incredible life Mm. and then we kill, you know, one animal and we can nourish a whole family for up to a year Mm. versus, you know, killing millions of animals to keep the bloody crop of kale and avos and stuff. I I I so clearly sit on on this side of the fence in in my perspective and the way I look well, at it. I was vegan for probably nine months. I didn't go straight to carnivore. Why did I go carnivore? I can't remember, but I did. I, I think it was just I was just eating shit, and I just wanted to try it. And I can say, like, I felt good vegan, but like, I didn't feel as good as I do when I just eat meat all the time. And mm. my arguments still stand as a vegan. It is like factory farming is fucking bad. Shit out. Monoculture is horrible for like um, commercial, large scale um, kale, kale farms. Yeah, yeah. They are bad. And, um, you know, yeah, like you said, one animal, fit, one cow would feed a family of four for a year. And it's one death instead of thousands of. I mean, vegans have to argue that a bug's life is different to a cow's life. So that's, that's the other thing that I constantly think about. And then, like, how spiritual do you want to get? Because yeah. plants. Are living things, you know, yeah. like I, I used to go to this, you know. I've eaten enough mushrooms to know plants talk. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> and I've even seen, um, you know, I used to go to a sound healing and they would, 
they would plug the avocado tree and they would listen to it sing. Yeah, yes. And be like, oh my god, it's singing. I'm <laughs> like, and you eat it. <laughs> you like, you're killing an organism. Like whether you, you know whether it's an animal or yeah. a plant, I just yeah. don't. But that, I think there's levels to the awareness. It's like if you're if if eating meat makes you bloody cringe, don't do it. Yeah. And but stop ragging on other people. And you know, if as well as, well as carnivores, I couldn't care less if people eat eat just veggies. Like I'm like, go for it. I'm not going to tell you you're a bad human being because you're not. Mm. You just you're on your own journey, and I, it doesn't affect me. And you know, if if your health tanks, probably worth questioning that identity yep. and making some changes. Same with me. I've all I've, I'll say this always. If I get to a, if I I don't believe I will, but if I get to a point where my health tanks, I have to make choices. Mm. Health is my value. Health is my priority. I've found that I healed many issues that no no one could help me with by going carnivore. Yep. I tried vegan. I tried paleo. I tried keto. I tried all these things, but it was going carnivore that really helped me and it really got me out of the, out of the shit. And so that for me is, is a value. And if it changes in the future, I'm not attached to it. Yep. You know, And that, that's a big skill, I think, as a human being is to be always a student of life, always open to growth, always open to lessons. And Always I think that's questioning what you do to make 100%, sure you improve. Hundred percent. So yeah, man. I, I think there's a lot of similarities between yeah. between different diets. Yeah. Um, and the main one is that we truly care about being healthy, and we want to be of ourselves. And you know, a lot of people want to care for the planet and care for animals as well. Yeah. And we have different opinions there, but there's there's similarities. So yeah. Thanks, brother, for coming on. Congrats, bro. I'm like, I don't know if you can say I'm much a profit for you, but I'm like, yes, you got it all ahead of you. It is so epic. I can't wait to just, yeah, we'll we'll connect, obviously, but I can't wait to see how you go. Do another one in a year and tell everyone how good we are. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, all right, that was awesome. I think, um, I don't even know if it covered the topics we wanted to, but it covered a lot that I definitely didn't know I wanted to and definitely happy that we're on there. So we opened up about a few things and yeah, hope everyone enjoys it. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone.